They say that red kangaroo mothers, they usually end up feeding uh, three different babies at one time and they're not the same age. And so what tends to happen is that they have, they call the baby kangaroos joeys. I don't know why they call joeys, but hey, they call joeys. So joey number one is grown and out of the pouch. No kangaroos have the pouch. Joey number one's out of the pouch, but it's still dependent on the mother uh, for sustenance, nutrition. So he's out of the pouch, hopping around, but he still goes back to mum for nutrition. Joey number two is in the pouch and gets fed from within the pouch. Absolutely dependent on the mother to carry it around and all that. Joey number three is still in the mother's womb, right? And so completely dependent on the mother. Now what happens is usually... You know, for a period of time, the mother can pull this off. They, you know, the mum can sustain and can feed all free and, you know, just make it work and all of that. But there are times droughts come, push comes to shove, and things get a little bit difficult to sustain and to feed all three. And so what happens is the mother makes a critical decision. The mother decides that the joey that's oldest that's outside of the pouch is now going to have to fend for his or herself. Now you are going to have to make or break, you are going to have to uh, get with the program, you're going to have to uh, uh, rise up as you might put it, because mother cannot keep on sustaining this. Uh, everyone else is going to be at risk if I continue to provide you in the same way. It's time that you stood on your own two feet, learn how to find food out there, learn how to uh, be a little bit more independent. Now how many for the cycle of life uh, in nature, when you look at it, this is the design that God's put into nature, that there comes a moment in time when you have to graduate into maturity. In all throughout the animal kingdom, they have to graduate into maturity. For human beings, uh, there is a problem. If we look at a human being uh, that is not doing certain things by a certain age, uh, we get concerned. We look and we say, you know what, something's not right here. You should be further ahead, you should be bigger, you should be larger than what you are right now. We've rushed our children to the hospital and to the doctors. And I want to tell you something today, it is no different in the kingdom of God. There is an expectation that God has of our lives. There is an expectation of growth. And the reason I'm preaching this message today is because God wants to challenge some people that may find themselves in this middle ground. I'm not quite mature in the things of God. I'm not quite a baby in the things of God. I'm in this middle ground somewhere and God says, I want to give you the tools to rise up today. The reason why I call this spiritual adolescence is because uh, there are many people that wouldn't identify themselves as babes in Christ. 
that you're not, you know, you're not a baby in the things of God. Maybe that's how you see it. Uh, but you may be able to identify and see it. This is a message for everybody here today. You may be able to identify and see some areas where I am lacking. And so there are some things that we want to cover today. So our scripture is Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 to 14. I'm going to read in the New Century Version, Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 to 14. Alright, the Bible says, while Jesus lived on earth, he prayed to God and asked God for help. He prayed with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And his prayer was heard because he trusted God. Even though Jesus was the Son of God, he learned obedience by what he suffered. And because his obedience was perfect, he was able to give eternal salvation to all who obey him. In this way, God made Jesus a high priest, a priest like Melchizedek. Now pause there for a second. Because the writer of Hebrews has been talking about Jesus in this manner, leading up to this point, and it's like, man, he's given all this revelation and these deep spiritual truths, and then it's almost like the scripture changes its focus. What we're about to read is a shift in direction. Think about it. The author has been writing that. He's talking about Jesus and his role as high priest. And he's comparing it to Melchizedek. And all these wonderful truths and wonderful things that are going on. And uh, all of a sudden there's a change of direction. Let me switch in. Amen. All of a sudden there's a change of direction. And it's like the scripture opens up to this new pathway. Listen to what the writer says. In verse 11 he says, We have much to say about this. We're going about this whole issue of Jesus and his priesthood. But now it is hard, sorry, to explain. Because you are so slow to understand. Verse 12. By now you should be teachers. But you need someone to teach you again the first lessons of God's message. You still need the teaching that is like milk. You're not ready for solid food. Anyone who lives on milk is still a baby and knows nothing about right teaching. But solid food is for those who have grown up. They are mature enough to know the difference between good and evil. So, here's what's going on. It's like the, the writer, he, he's saying certain things, he's dropping these spiritual truths, uh, and then we see the shift in direction. And now he's brought his attention by the leading of the Holy Spirit, after the in, in, inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Uh, he now refers to those who are going to read this epistle, and he focuses the attention on their lack of maturity. And it's written here for a reason. And there is a warning in this scripture that God wants you and I to heed today. One man said it like this. In verse 11, this was the comment that this man made. He said, at this point, the author must digress. He would like to continue with the subject of Christ, Melchizedek in priesthood. But he cannot. He's under divine constraint to rebuke his readers for their immaturity and at the same time to warn them seriously against the danger of falling away. It's like almost like as he's writing about Jesus and his sacrifice and all of the, the, the ordeal of the cross and the surrender, all that's involved there, he's reminded how far removed his readers are from the mark. He's reminded that, you know what, no, no, you should be further ahead in the things of God, but you are far behind, and he switches the attention, and that's what we want to consider about, consider today, sorry. One man said, it's sadly true that our apprehension of divine truth is limited by our own spiritual condition. Dull ears cannot receive deep truths. How often it is true of us as of the disciples 
that the Lord has many things to say to us, but we cannot bear them. I wonder here today how many of us, God has more that he wants to say to you and I, but because we are not mature, because we have not given ourselves to growth, he is not able to give us those things. I know firsthand that there are many times people will hear sermons preached and you come after the sermon, you've been there before, everyone's talking about how good the sermon was, man, did you catch that revelation? Did you hear that? I've never seen that. That scripture in that way, and there are people who sound the same sermon, same preacher, same Bible, but they did not catch any of that. Why? Because of this principle, dull ears cannot receive deeper truths. You've been on a treadmill before, I'm sure, I'm sure most of us have. I hate the treadmill, despise it. Much rather play football. Much rather do something else with cardio, boxing, whatever. But the treadmill is not my friend. But the treadmill is one of those devices, if you've been on there, you're running, you're running, you put your time in. If I'm on a treadmill on the rare occasion, I don't like looking at the time. The time is like, it's like a demon. It's like you feel like you've been running for an hour and you look down, it's 11 minutes. You're like, what's going on there? Anyway, and so what happens on the treadmill is you're running, you're sweating, your heart's beating. If you put your hands on those heartbeat sensors, you realize, man, my heart rate's way up there, 100 and whatever it is. Uh, and your body thinks uh, that, you know, you, everything in your body is telling you that you're moving. Right? You're running, you're moving, uh, the intensity, you might have a gradient, all of those things. Uh, but treadmills, what they specialize in uh, is they specialize in giving us the feeling like we are moving without taking us anywhere. And this is what many people's walk with God looks like. We want to talk, oh, my walk with God, my walk with God. Well, many people's walk with God looks just like this. There's a lot of activity. There's a lot of movement. There's a lot of hustle and bustle. I'm going from this place to that place. I'm going to be in Bible study and the seminar and this and that. But there's no actual progress. And what God wants for us today is not just that we fill up our lives with activity. Those things are good if we put them to use. He wants to actually take us somewhere in life today. God wants to highlight some areas where we can focus our attention and we can really begin to see growth. So I'm going to give you five things. They all begin with S, so it's nice and easy. Five marks of maturity. Five marks of of maturity and then we're going to pray. And so the first thing that you and I need to do, and this is an umbrella term so I'm going to break it down a little bit. The first thing is we need to develop the ability to be spiritual. Spiritual. Now first and foremost, when we think of spirituality, we think of the basics. Right? The basics is good. Bible reading, prayer, church attendance, fellowshipping with the saints, all that kind of things there. We Think of those things naturally and rightly so. But I want to tell you that uh, that is the basics, that is the elementary stage, that's the, 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 the reasonable service, that is the bare minimum, uh, that's just to get us by as it were. And those things are fundamental. Within those things we have to unlock and unpack uh, 
deeper things. So for example, not just, oh, I prayed today. How did you pray? What did you pray for? Did you pray for anyone other than yourself? Did you pray for somebody else's circumstance and not your own? And you start to unpack some of those seemingly basic things. I read the Bible today. Did you whiz through some chapters? Was it only in the background of 2.0? Or did you sit down and you broke down those scriptures and you looked at it like a mirror and said, God, would you speak to me? Because the basic things, if you get them right, they become very deep things. But I don't want to hang on that. Because part of being spiritual, like I said, there's a lot to say about spirituality. Part of it is actually how we respond to things spiritually. How do we react to life? The first thing I want to consider with you in spirituality is response to the Word of God. How do you respond to the preached Word of God? I I heard a story of a, um, a church... There was a preacher that went there, and you know, he wasn't as uh, charismatic, energetic as they might have been used to. And so, you know, he, he goes there, and what he's saying wasn't false doctrine, it wasn't heresy or anything like that. It was the Word of God, right? It was the Word of God, but the delivery is not what they're quite used to. And I've heard that in that service, there were a number of people that walked out. They walked out, and upon reflection and asking questions, trying to find out, wasn't here, you know, uh, upon reflection, trying to find out, you know, uh, why did you leave? Oh, you know, I couldn't get with the delivery of the word. Now listen to me, I understand people have their favorite preachers, and they got their, their YouTube pastors and things like that. I understand people want to, you know, uh, they want the word to come in a certain uh, fashion and format. But what you have to understand that is wrong about that is that this man is still preaching the word of God. He's still preaching a word. It's not false doctrine. I have all for it. If it was false doctrine, man gets up there and starts saying, hey, this is comes away and this and that. Yeah, walk out. Absolutely walk out. Leave. Because that's false doctrine. But if the man is preaching the word of God, it's sound doctrine. Who are you to walk out of that place? How much pride has to be at work inside of your own heart? Do you believe that you would do a better job? And so, you know, people have this response. What's your response? to the preached word of God like? Maturity would say it's beyond charisma, it's beyond intellect, and I'm not making a case for preachers to be slack in the word of God. That's not what I'm trying to do. But what I'm trying to to understand is another level of maturity is to say that even though this isn't how I imagine it's going to be delivered, what can I get from God's word today? That when you come into the house of God, maturity will say, I can get something from God's word today. Maturity will say, God, how do you want to speak to me in this word today? And so, you know, pride will tell us, oh yeah, the title is not really for you and this and that, blah, blah, blah. Listen, that can be further from the truth. I can't tell you the last time I sat under the word of God and I can hold my hand on my heart and say I got nothing from God's word. No, no, that don't happen. God's always speaking to us. You might get one line, one sentence from a a sermon and it changes your life. That's the power of the word of God. And listen to this. I read an article about growth disorders. They say that growth disorders one of the main uh, kind of contributors or factors 
to growth disorders is the absorption of nutritious food, mm. not the consumption. Mm. The ability to absorb food and nutrients from food. So someone could be eating loads of food, eating loads of food, but if their body's not able to absorb that food, it just passes straight through them and it changes nothing about who they are or their state. There is no growth because they're not able to absorb anything. See, here's the thing, church. We have to teach ourselves uh, to be able to absorb something from God's Word uh, in every scenario. One of the, the, the things that scares me the most in our generation uh, is we are so well connected. Uh, we've got the internet at our fingertips. Uh, there are people listening to sermons from morning until night. Uh, they're listening to the Bible on their Bible app. Uh, they want worship songs uh, on all over the place. Uh, but carnal as the day is longer, you have an absorption problem. You're not absorbing that which is around you. There is good food, but you're not able to absorb it. And I would say you're better off shrinking that down and teaching yourself how to absorb. And say, you know, I'm going to take the difficult road. This is why people don't do this, because it's a harder road to take. Instead of saying, yeah, Pastor, you know what? Today I'm, I'm on point. I've blitzed through 20 chapters of the Word of God. Why don't you just read one and get something from it? Why don't you just read one and absorb something? Allow that to change your life. The second element when it comes to reacting spiritually is how you react to life. When life happens, I think, no, listen, life has ups and downs, highs and lows. And one thing we have to understand and we have to learn how to do if we're going to grow spiritually and mature is we have to learn how to react to life spiritually. And that's on both of those ends. When things are bad, we have to learn how to react spiritually. Does it change who God is? Does it mean God doesn't love me anymore or anything like that? When things are good, we can't let that get to our heads. I've been there before, beloved. Things are, I'm, I'm, I'm soaring, flying high, bank account was fat. And it's like, man, all of a sudden I'm feeling like I'm the man. I did that, right? And then it's easy. Pride begins to sink in. You start looking down on other people. And it's like, yeah, one day maybe you'll get to my level. And then God comes and wake you up one time and show you that there are mountaintops and there are also valleys in life. Either of those extremes, you can't allow that to change you. Maturity says, regardless of whether my situation is high or low, I'm going to respond. Respond in a spiritual manner. It's not going to change who I am. Yeah. The Bible says about this man of Ahithophel that he asked or he's asked his counselor, and you know he gives his counselor. The Bible says they didn't listen to him, and his response he went from zero to a hundred, a completely unspiritual response. Goes home, sets his house in order, and hangs himself, kills himself right there and then. There are people that all it takes is life to change, and I don't know whether it was when you got saved, you got promised that Jesus is going to make everything in your life perfect, and you had a false expectation, but that isn't true. You're going to go through life there as I and it has loads and when those low moments come you and I need to know how to respond spiritually listen to me church as we gear up for 2024 God wants us to graduate from spiritual adolescence to spiritual maturity and so spirituality second thing is that we need to increase in surrender the background of that text I find it fascinating that 
the writer, he's speaking about Jesus and speaking about all the surrender, all of the sacrifice that Jesus made. And then he's almost reminded about the state of his readers and he turns his focus there. But it kind of shows us here, we get some of what we ought to be when we consider the life of Christ. In verse 8, the Bible says, even though Jesus was the Son of God, he learned obedience by what he suffered. We know that Jesus said those are famous words, not my will, but your will be done. I mean, that's an issue of surrender. Surrender is a war term. It is to drop one's arms. It is to say, no, I'm done fighting. I'm not resisting anymore. And in churches today, in 2023, and soon to be 2024, there are people in place, they're in the right place, they're hearing the right things, but they have an unsurrendered heart. You can only go so far in the things of God if you're still finding God at his will. The issue of surrender is usually when people realize and Christians realize that they got saved for more than just themselves. Now, you know, we're actually not the center of this whole kingdom and universe and uh, life wasn't just positioned for us, but we were saved for other people. Listen, those who are trying to figure out what's the will of God for my life, I'll give you a big clue. The will of God always will involve other people. Yeah. If your plan is just about you, if the plans you've set up for 2024 are just about your life, I want to tell you that it doesn't sound like the will of God to me because the will of God is always going to involve others. You know, there are certain principles in life Things that God has built into the universe and to life and they just flow when they're in place. For example, uh, one of the laws is sowing and reaping. Is that, you know, you sow, and we looked at that a few weeks ago, sowing and reaping, and, and you know, that, that, that's a law and a principle that God's put in place. There are things in nature and how uh, animals and human beings and uh, reproduction and things that the body does and how the body changes, they're just laws, things that are put in place, uh, and when they are in their right place, things flow properly. I want to tell you when it comes to surrender and surrendering our lives to God, you find yourself in a flow. It doesn't mean that everything's just going to work out overnight as, as you want it to, but you'll be in the flow. You know when you're in the will of God because there is a flow to it. When you surrender and say, God, not my will, but your will be done, and you reach that level of maturity, God puts you in a flow, and you start to see, man, I didn't even realize my life could amount to this much. You just ask Jonah what it looks like when you're out of the flow. When you start kicking against God, you say, you know what, no, I'm, I'm doing my own thing. And you throw your toys out of the prime immaturity. You say, you know, it's not about them, it's about me. I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. All of a sudden, he's out of the flow. And I wonder today if in our lives we're seeing some destruction, we're seeing that something's happening that shouldn't be happening because we're out of the flow. There's a famous general, his name was Douglas MacArthur, and he was meeting at that time his foe, and this was a, a Japanese general. And so the reason for the meeting was that the Japanese were about to surrender, and so this was to officiate that he is going to surrender. And so he meets with this Japanese general, he stood across from him, and the Japanese general puts out his hand to show that, you know, I've surrendered, he puts out his hand. And so Douglas looks and he says, you know what, I can't shake your hand until you've given me that sword. He said, I can't 
put my hand out and secure this deal and conclude this until you surrendered your sword. I'm not going to shake your hand until you surrender your sword. And so he had his sword on his belt. And this is the problem in uh, the kingdom is sometimes what we're doing with God is we're trying to shake God's hand in one sense. We're trying to say, God, I want favor, I want blessing. 2024, we're trying to claim the year as our own year. God, you have all these things. You're going to do this for me. And we end it out. Listen, maybe I don't know where your mind's at, but we're trying to shake God's hand. And God says, no, first surrender the sword. If you want to shake my hand, surrender the sword, and then we can move forward. Why? Because God wants us to graduate from spiritual adolescence into spiritual maturity today. The third thing is that God wants us to increase in serving our service to others. Verse 9 of our text, because his obedience was perfect, he was able to give eternal salvation to all who obeyed him. Jesus' actions were all about service to others and serving other people. One of the major marks of maturity, one of the greatest signs of maturity is when someone seeks opportunity to serve other people. Children, when they grow up, it's all about them. Children grow up, they go into a room, it's how are these adults going to serve me? How many toys have been provided for me? What food has been provided for me? But one of the marks of maturity is when one begins to pull their own weight and say, no, I'm not just here to be served, I'm here to serve others as well. They say that the word teenager or adolescent is actually quite a new term. That, you know, it's only within the last 50 years or so, if that. And, the, the, you know, that's quite eye-opening and quite fascinating because prior means that you were either a child or you were an adult. It was like you crossed over just like that. I was a child and now I'm an adult. And that was marked by when someone starts taking responsibility. The problem with our generation, if I'm brutally honest, is many people hang in that adolescent teenage stage and never seem to come out. It's like this adolescent teenage stage is just growing and growing and growing up. The last uh, I heard was, uh, you know, youth was considered anyone under, what was it, 40 or something like that, you know, in a church. I'm like, no, that's crazy. You know how mad that is? That's absolutely mental. When I think about that, I mean, plenty of people were uh, 40. Anyway, I'm not even going to, but youth was considered 40. <laughs> we were on outreach, actually. Some of you would be pleased to hear this. We were on average a number of people going by. And you know, we've got some friends out there in Lewisham, genuine friends, that, you know, they're, they're outreaching as well. One time, one of them came up to me and, and said, uh, oh, you know, Pastor, what you're doing with, uh, with all these youth is such an amazing thing. And he said, man, what you're doing with these, and he said, with these teenagers, I said, wow, you know, I didn't want to burst anyone's bubble, so I let him believe that you were all teenagers. I didn't want to start bringing out people's birth certificates and, and all of that. And talk about birthdays. We just celebrated this one and that one. So I let him believe that he was teenagers. But it's funny, it just tells of the generation that we're in. That grown adults, let's be honest, when grown adults could be considered young teenagers, because it is true of our generation, this thing is just dragged out. Yeah. My mum told me about a, a colleague of hers years ago, and so she telling me about this colleague, and her son lives at home, he's 40 years old, 40 years old, 
And the, the reason why the conversation came up is because it's not like he's 40 and it's his house and mum's living with it. It's the complete opposite way around. She's still doing all of his laundry, all of his stuff, cooking all of his meals, take care. He doesn't have a job, he earns no money. And his excuse since university, this is what I'm saying, his excuse since university has been that I'm studying a new course, I'm doing a new course, doing a new all the way up until 40, he's probably still there now, it was years ago, all the way up until 40, he's been studying again and again and again. I'm all for studies, right? You do your studies. But the problem is with that is you are constantly preparing and you're never executing. You're constantly anticipating. You're saying, oh, one more course that will prepare me for my next job. Well, you've never had a job. You've never even earned some money yet. This is the problem that we have, is there has to be a leveling up that says, no, now is not time for me to be served. I need to begin serving others. There's some people here that we need your help. The kingdom, and you know, God will always find a way. God will always find a way to get things done in the kingdom of God. But God's been putting on your heart to rise up. And the longer that you delay, the more damaging it becomes, not just for yourself, but for those potentially around you. We can get good in the kingdom of God. Listen to me carefully. We can get very good at saying the right things. But actually what God's concerned about is action. I like what Pastor Pete mentioned on Sunday. He, he kind of just mentioned it in passing, but the son, there's two sons, the son who said, oh yeah, I'm going to go and do it, and doesn't do it. And then there's a son who says, I'm not going to go to the vineyard, but he goes. Yeah. Who did the will of God, the one who done it? We're not impressed by the words. Mm. What God is impressed by is action, taking responsibility, rising up, doing what's right. There's a guy in, um, I shared it a few, I think I shared this before, but there's a guy in my school. And uh, he'll remain nameless just in case. But, you know, he, he, he was young and he was all about himself, his feelings, and, you know, using women and abusing women. Probably 16 or 17 years old. And I remember he went from no kids to three within like a year. And like it's not like it's two by zero to hundred, right? And so it's like I think what happened is is one girl that he was with felt pregnant, and then another girl that he was cheating on that girl with felt pregnant, but then one of them had twins or something like that. <laughs> so he went from zero. I'm talking about like zero living scot free to having three like almost overnight, and so you know. 16, 17 years old, he just fled from the scenario. Fled from it. Ran from it. Didn't take any responsibility. I don't know how old he is now. We're talking about, what, 15 years ago, something like that. But the, the, the response was to flee from responsibility. And this is the story of many in our generation. It's like a, a, an automatic, a knee jerk reaction. Oh, that's going to be too costly. That's going to take. But the need is there in the kingdom. For you and I to rise up to the next level. 2024, can we rise up to the next level? The fourth thing is that we need to increase in sharing. And the sharing, I'm going to break that down. Verse 12 of our text says, but by now you should be teachers. 
but you need someone to teach you again the first lessons of God's message. You still need the teaching that is milk. You're not ready for solid food. One man said of that scripture, he said, God's order is that every believer should mature to the point where he can teach others. Each one, reach one, and teach one. While it is true that certain ones have a special gift of teaching, it's also true that every believer should engage in some teaching ministry. It was never God's intention that this work should be limited to just a few. So in the church today, it's like, oh yeah, teaching, that's reserved for them. There's many ways that we teach others. We teach others by our conduct. We teach others by working with them, praying for them, showing them the ways, showing them how to pray, showing them uh, scriptures and things like that, and unpacking scriptures. Uh, there is so much that can be done. Uh, and God will say to us today, we need to increase. Part of our growth and maturity uh, is start to share, start to teach, uh, start to elevate and say, you know what, it's not just for me to be fed. I'm now going to start feeding others as well. Yeah. By not maturing, we can hinder somebody else's growth. In other words, the time spent over-teaching individuals could have been used on somebody else. It could have been used teaching somebody else. And if you were mature and if you really embrace it, you then could be teaching somebody else. And the multiplication effect continues, but it slows down the kingdom drastically. Perfect illustration of this is the moose. These moose you know, in Canada, you see them in places like that massive 10 foot at the shoulders, crazy. Uh, they're just like tanks, they're beasts. And so, you know, a, a, a female moose, after giving birth to a calf, will protect that calf with everything. So you come about, if, if she thinks that you're a threat, she's going to charge, and those antlers are massive. People have been, you know, killed by moose uh, all the time. But anyway, She'll protect it vehemently, every single opportunity, until she is pregnant with another calf. Once she's pregnant with another calf, she drives that old calf away. Your time is up, bye. There's no room here for two calves. And so nature even tells us that there is a limit to how much feeding can be done in one sitting or to how many can be fed. For the kingdom to move forward, for the church to advance and to the next level, it means that over this transition period into 2024, people have to make a decision. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to help out with feeding others. One way, shape, or form, I'm going to step up. I'm going to rise up into a ministry. I'm going to do a little bit. I'm going to come a little earlier so I can pray for people. Instead of always relying on others to pray on my behalf, why don't I come in and join the fight and begin to, I'm going to give in 2024. I'm going to begin to sacrifice in order to see the kingdom move forward. Part sharing. He's also outreaching, witnessing, sharing your testimony, inviting people to church. Uh, For myself, uh, six months into uh, um, salvation, thereabouts, uh, is when I felt called to preach the gospel. That's when I felt called to preach. But I'm telling you now, when I felt called to preach was not when I felt the burden to share the gospel with other people. People confuse the two and think, oh yeah, that's just reserved for those who are going to preach the gospel. Absolutely not. God wants every single one of us to be sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It only took a couple of weeks for God to have done a work in my heart and felt conviction that, you know, I need to bring some people into the house of God. I need to bring others that I love, that I care for, so that they can hear the word of God and be given an opportunity to get 
get saved. No. Who are you sharing the gospel with today? Who are you bringing into the kingdom today? And lastly, before we pray, <clears throat> is that we have to learn and grow in the area of separating ourselves. The Bible says, or separating things, should I say. The Bible says in verse 13 and 14, Anyone who lives on milk is still a baby and knows nothing about right teaching, but solid food is for those who have grown up. They are mature enough to know the difference between good and evil. Being able to rightly judge and separate good and evil is a mark of maturity, he says. If you are able to look at something and say, that is good and that is evil, it is a mark of maturity. In 2024, God wants us to increase in that area. We have a couple of pastors recently who are having a meeting, just fellowshipping and talking. And the, sub the subject came up about doctrines and and uh, teaching in the church and one of the concerns and it is a real concern is that in churches in our churches included uh, there is not enough doctrinal depth uh, in many of the churches and the reason being uh, and one of the sorry the danger of that is that people can get swept in waves of doctrine this is why we well, one of the reasons why we feel it's such an important thing for us to have the theology classes and things like that. So we understand and we're able to discern, all right, this is good, this is not so good. And so we, all, we often use a term, don't we, when we're reading books, we're hearing sermons, whatever, you chew the meat, you spit the bones. And you might be putting things from different resources, chew the meat, spit the bones. But how do you chew the meat and spit the bones if you don't know what the meat is and you don't know what the bones are? A baby looks at the, at the, at the plate and says, oh, everything's for consumption. I'll have all of that, but a mature adult will say, no, that is actually not digestible. That's not for me to have. I'm going to receive that and I'm going to separate that. Learning how to separate good from evil. Yeah. This also means learning how to separate yourself from things that are evil. To be able to surround yourself with things that are good. To be able to judge a situation. One of the marks of maturity is to be able to look at a situation and make a judgment on it and say, you know what? That is right. That is not right. Yeah. To be able to do that confidently. And I close with this. We're going to pray for time. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. The Bible is clear as day. There comes a moment where we have to step over the line. I'm no longer a child in the things of God. I'm an adult in the things of God. I need to start serving. I need to start surrendering my will. I need to know so all these things that we talk about. I need to be spiritual, all of that. I'm no longer going to function as a child. That's a decision that you and I have to make. And you might say, all right, yeah, I've got a measure of maturity. That's why it's called adolescence, because we can do more. You might see some of this at work in your life. We can do more. We can take it to another level. 2024, we're going to take it to a complete new level. Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We're going to close off in prayer just for the next couple of moments and we're going to come and pray and hold up.